This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast. A podcast for lovers and dreamers and me. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Let's. Uh, this is just like one of the on-the-road episodes of There It Is and that it's being recorded live. And I'm sitting here with Justina Sparling. Say hello, Justina. Hi. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Hello, hello. She's doing her um, uh, late night talk show uh, for like love horoscopes or something voice. It's two o'clock here in LA and um, let's get our first caller on the line. <laughs> crackhead. Crackhead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to offend any crackheads listening. In this episode, we're going to talk about our move to New York City. New York City, get a rope. <laughs> I did that joke last week, and I don't know if anyone remembers the reference. It's to an old Pace Picani commercial from the 90s. Oh, my God. What? Just like, what a rant. A Pace Picani commercial from the 90s. That people, no one gets that. Oh, somebody gets that, other than my brother no. or my cousin oh my God. or my friend Tom. There's some people who get that joke. Mm-hmm. And there were people who were teenagers in the 90s. Um, anyway, uh, I'll show you that commercial later. Uh, we moved wait. to New York City. Yeah. Mm. You'll enjoy it. You'll laugh. Now I'm going to try not to. Yeah. That oh. sounds about right. Oh. <laughs> I'll laugh real hard. Uh, well, this is going to be fake, and I'll know it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We are in New York City. We just moved here yesterday. Oh, my gosh. It's fresh. Mm-hmm. We haven't been here but a full day in a few hours. And it's great. We enjoy it. It feels very comfortable here mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I, I uh, uh, Maybe I'm a little, you know, I, I'm a little homesick in that I miss my mom. And uh, I feel like my friends, I miss them, but... Most of the stuff with my friends I'm seeing on Facebook, and I'm still seeing those things on Facebook, so that's still normal. But I'm, you know, knowing that I'm this far away from my mom is tough. But other than that, it's been pretty easy for us. <laughs> We've got a good situation here. Yeah, we have a strong support system in South oh, Carolina gosh. and here. So yeah, and uh, a couple of good friends of ours from South Carolina are up here, Megan and Charlie, and they welcomed us so well uh and both of them going above and beyond to make us feel like this is home and i think that made the transition to getting here so much more like smooth than it would have been if it was just one of us or or even the you know it was just the two of us just the two of us so that you remember that reference is that from a commercial oh gosh It's a Will Smith song. No, I'm kidding. It's a Bill Withers song. Mm-hmm. It's a Bill Wither Smith song. Oh. Anyway, 
so that, you know, I was just thinking before we moved, I was driving around and there were people that I was seeing all around me that I did not recognize, but the locale was recognizable because I drove it a lot. But it made me realize when you move somewhere, you go somewhere, yeah, the faces aren't familiar, but that can be the case in your hometown or where you've lived for a decade. It's really the locale that you're familiar with. You can make a drive or a trip somewhere with your eyes closed. And you can't really do that in a new locale. Like you go to a place new and you're getting used to the space. And that's really what's not familiar. Uh, the people around us, they're all just new faces. And I'm people watching anyway. So <laughs> regardless of where I am. So that's one thing I realized. I also realized a lot of places, and I made this joke on Twitter... A lot of places look uh, like just stuff I've seen in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> so they did a really great job with those games, <laughs> making them like New York City. Like the ones that are based in a place like New York. It just feels like <laughs> things I've seen a bunch of times in that. So those there are actually a few, few times when you've driven past something I've thought, oh, that seems familiar. Oh, I saw it in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Now, don't go getting any ideas. Oh, I mean, I stole a car earlier. <laughs> and uh, drove over a, a hooker. <laughs> uh, Giuliani didn't drive them all out of the city. I don't know if he drove any out. I don't know. I, don't know I wasn't either. here. But I'm here now, and I'm ready to hook. <laughs> uh, some things that are also here that are down south. Now, originally... When I had looked up Bojangles, which is a southern delight, if you like spicy fried chicken, um, there were a couple up here in, in Brooklyn, but they are not here now. Uh, they are permanently closed because I guess the New York palate was like, ugh, what is this spicy chicken? It's Cajun. Is it spicy? It's Cajun. Cajun? Cajun. Well, you know, an authentic pronunciation for Bojangles. <laughs> Mr. Bojangles pronounced it Cajun. <laughs> uh, there's, there are Cracker Barrels. There are three Cracker Barrels in New Jersey. I mean, we'd have to, like, <laughs> rent a car. And, Chris, and there's a Krispy Kreme in Manhattan. So these are familiar things that uh, I've seen down south that are up here. So that's helping uh, make this move work. Uh, driving around, I only had to do it like once. Yep. But um, but you were good at it. I was good at it. People down south uh, need to just take spots when they have them. And when they realize somebody else needs to merge over and they have the space, just let them have the space. I don't know how many times I've been cut off down south. When I'm just, I'd put my turn signal on. It's like, oh, I'm going to cut you off now. Um, up here, what I've noticed is people are darting in for, there's not much space, but when, but that space that's there is the only opportunity you have if you're driving around here. So people will cut in front of someone real quick and they, the drivers uh, don't get mad about it. They don't honk. When they do honk is at green lights when nobody can move and then somebody just honks at the person in front of them as, as if they can do anything, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, our apartment is right above a bar. 
that is cool and I will frequent a good bit. Uh, just like on How I Met Your Mother. They lived right above a bar. And uh, now I'm Ted Mosby, for what real. It, what was another How I Met Your Mother thing about? Uh, they, they went to the roof a good bit, oh, and we yeah. have roof access. Yeah. And uh, also another thing we've learned about New York City is that uh, getting tickets to see a taping of Jimmy Fallon is impossible. Mm. <laughs> because I had uh, signed up for tomorrow a month ago. And it doesn't look like those tickets are going to come through because they've already filled all their spaces. And um, then I tried to today sign up for tickets a month from now because they open a day. And the link kept messing up. And um, I tried like three or four times. And four minutes later, four minutes into them having them posted things are just selling out left and right so i signed up for a monologue rehearsal but we'll see if that works out as well we haven't had a chance to take in any shows yet but we have only been here 28 hours something like that Mm -hmm. uh what are some things you've witnessed so far and recognized um i don't know it's it I've been like just like in like business mode, like okay, where's the bodega? Where's the laundromat? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just been cleaning a lot and unpacking, so I don't think I've been like taking in as much as I could be, you know? Yeah. Because I'm just thinking about things that I gotta get done, you know. There were a couple of brownstones we saw, and it reminded me of the Cosby Show. Yeah. And other movies and TV shows, but other than that, yeah, that's there's not been a, a bunch of taking it all in because you know we just got here and we have stuff to do (laughs) we just got unpacked so next minutes ago right so this weekend i'm not sure what the weekend holds but hopefully we will get over to manhattan hopefully the magnet theater and uh check out some shows or something Mm -hmm. check out something explore some more i want to go back to central park uh and go to the library again and read more about Hamilton. Oh, yeah, that's right. We've been listening to the Manhattan, I mean, the Hamilton mixtape and the Hamilton musical a ton the last couple of weeks. And we drove on, uh, we were in Staten Island, and we drove on uh, a street called the uh, Skyler Street, mm-hmm. spelled the same as the, the Skyler Sisters. Angelica Eliza Biggie. <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm sure peggy's great i haven't actually seen the musical oh yeah i, I it's gonna be very difficult to get tickets maybe even harder than getting felon oh, tickets yeah. to get hamilton tickets let's see what else is going on that we can chat about um 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 i think that's pretty much it baby for right now like you said we've only been here 28 hours yeah <clears throat> Well, hopefully we'll uh, be able to take in some comedy and we can talk about that process. We've talked about the process of moving to New York. And in the next segment, we'll talk about, hopefully, the process of checking out the comedy as a resident of New York City. Okay, I am back. Justina is away. She is at work. I am in the apartment and uh, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. I'm about to go to Manhattan for the first time alone. 
I'm about to hop on the su- I'm going to ride the subway for the first time alone. And uh, that seems daunting and something to be afraid of. But I am putting on a brave face. I think I'll do it. And uh, today I'm going to go to Manhattan, as I said, to run some errands. But I'm also going to meet a friend at the New York City Library. Uh, I was there in October when I took a trip up here. Uh, Justina and I went. But that time, the door, I mean, the room that Ghostbusters uh, had in it was closed for cleaning or repairs or something. So we couldn't go into the Ghostbusters room, but hopefully this time it is open and I can go in there because I I must go to the Ghostbusters room. I'm also going to go to the Alexander Hamilton room again because since that trip in October, I have listened to that musical a million times. So now when I go into that room, I can read stuff and be like, ah, I know what that is. So hopefully I won't break out in the song while I'm in there. (laughs) Um, But uh, (laughs) it's bound to happen. And what else? I will say I miss friends and I miss family back home, but it was harder to say goodbye to them than it's been harder to be away from them because I've been able to catch up with people on Facebook and FaceTime and make phone calls. So if you were making a big move like this, where you're moving from the place you've lived your entire life to a big city, don't fear it. You can do it. It's totally doable. The city will embrace you uh, some way or another, unless the city's not for you. And some people, the city is not for, and they hate it. <laughs> and the city's, you know, maybe didn't embrace them. I don't know. Uh, maybe the city wanted to embrace them, but it was like, uh, uh, organ donation and it's like the body's like no i'm rejecting this organ maybe that can be the case for some people and maybe la is a better place for you or chicago but i love new york it's pretty great i'm sitting by my window right now looking out it and it's pretty busy during the day but not at night you might hear some horns uh left and right here you know people honk at the weirdest times They get real angry at red lights or green lights when people are sitting in front of them, but the people in front of them can't move. But they get so angry, and they lay in their horn, and it doesn't change anything. So it's like, why are you honking? All you're doing is creating noise pollution. Anyway, as I said, I'm sitting by my window, looking out, and from where I sit, I can see the Freedom Center and a few other buildings in Manhattan. It's pretty cool to just lean back in my chair and be able to look over there. That's, uh, that's wild. So if you want to move to a big city, do it. What are you waiting for? The big city's not going to move to you. You have to move to it. It is totally doable. That is my suggestion that you can do this. If you're thinking about it, stop thinking about it and prepare to do it and then do it. Coming up in the next segment, It's going to be me and Justina talking about some things we've done so far. going to be a lot of fun. See you then. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with Justina. Hello. And that music you hear is music that I took on the subway when I took the subway alone. And uh, those uh, two gentlemen playing one was playing a guitar and the other was playing an accordion and um 
that's what you're hearing, which is pretty cool. <laughs> then the guy saw me. I was taking a video, and the guy saw me, and he started sort of like posing for the camera. And I was like, oh, that's cute. But then when they were done, they started walking around with the hat for, you know, like, you know, looking for money. And I was like, oh, crap, I interacted with them and I don't have money yeah, to give yeah. them. Someone told me once that a good rule is if they if a street performer makes you stop and look, which I know this is on the subway, it's different. But if a, if a street performer makes you stop and look, you need to pay them. You know, if it wasn't like interesting enough for you to stop what you were doing, then... That's a good rule of thumb, but what if you don't have money? Can you just not care about what they do? (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) Um, But that's cool. I'm excited about all the um, subway talent that I anticipate seeing. Yeah. There have been some interesting experiences on the subway. Yeah, Um, not related to talent, but yeah. Right. People who are mentally ill, which is sad. Yep. Um, I think that's one of the hard things to get used to about the city is seeing them in like the people who are mentally ill and the homeless people who are around but i'll tell you something both the homeless people here and the mentally ill people they know how to navigate the city like they get around still despite their impairments you would think you know if if i'm homeless i don't i'm not knowing how to get around that's what i would assume for me that i wouldn't be getting around easily um, but these guys are. They're like getting on the train and like, here's my stop. And then they're getting off. That's nuts that they're able to do that. Yeah. Um, this city, I don't care who you are, you're sharper than people in other cities. I see like 10 year olds on the subway and they just seem like really yeah. sharp kids. Yeah, they're cool. Um, well, so what's going on since we've been here? We saw the movie Get Out. Yes. So good. So, so good. I think uh, it was interesting to see that movie with my white girlfriend. Hmm. <laughs> there was a point during that movie where you stopped holding my hand. <laughs> oh. There was a point in that movie where you put your hands around my neck and started choking me. Hey. <laughs> spoiler alert. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Uh,. That movie's very, very good, and um, I think I did hear that some people were upset about how white people were depicted in it. Really? I did hear. I haven't heard the complaints. I heard that people are complaining. I've got to see that interview with Jordan Peele to get some some more information. I mean, it was a great movie. I just want to know more about his thought process, you know? Yeah, well, he was—he uh, did a really great movie, and honestly, I'm going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. All right. I think if this is how good his first movie is, mm-hmm. I think he is somebody to watch as a potential Oscar contender. Oh, my God. I think you're right, though. I mean, if he can do something that good, first and it time is around. legitimately yeah. good, and I'm putting it up there in top three best horror films I've ever seen. Because it is visually stunning. It has a great uh, way about explaining a message. Uh, whether you agree with the message or not, like it has a message. It's not just a slasher film. And the thrills that are in it are, I think, pretty intense. And it's not like your typical horror movie. And the other two I'm putting in the top three there are Halloween and Psycho. 
So it's in very good company, if you ask me. Wow. Yeah. No, I thought it was awesome. Also, it was really fun to be in the theater. In such an interactive theater, everyone was cheering and clapping at the right parts and <gasps> at the right parts yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, people were cheering a lot and yeah. clapping a lot. It was a, it was a fun audience to see a movie in. So good on Jordan Peele on that one. Yeah, that uh, was awesome. I mentioned earlier that I was in the previous segment that I was going to be going to the New York City Library. I did. I got to see the Ghostbuster room, which was cool. But the Alexander Hamilton exhibit ended, so I didn't oh, get to see that. But you had previously. I had previously, but I wanted to see it again. Yeah. And I have to say, Lin Manuel, he's just my favorite person right yeah. now. Yeah. Like everything I see about him, he just seems like he's the greatest guy. He's super talented. He and I, I feel like he could be my best friend. Because he experiences things the way I experience them. Like, he loves SNL the way I love it. And he was nerding out about hosting it the way I would nerd out if I got to host it. And um, he uh, loves the same podcasts I love. (laughs) And um, uh, I feel like when he raps along to famous rap songs, I bet he doesn't say the n-word when the song does i bet he's that good of a person <laughs> he can do no wrong and he's a perfect human being <laughs> Lin you're just setting yourself up for disappointment i am i'm gonna meet him and he's gonna look at me and he's gonna go n-word <laughs> that's gonna be the first thing he says yeah. and then he's gonna say get my car because i'm gonna be wearing a vest and yeah. i'm gonna look like a valet when yeah. i meet him you know uh, upon moving here, when you have big city dreams, I think the the uh, dream in your head, the image in your head is that you get off the bus and Lin-Manuel's standing there and you impress him just in the way you get off the bus. And he's like, you're going to be a star. Yeah. That's the way it happens in your mind right now if you come to New York City. You want his validation. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, he he's pretty great. And I, I do hope I meet him and that he's as great as I think he is. And uh, that he likes me as much as I like him. That's the dream. That's the dream. Not working with him. Just him going, I like you, Jason Farr. And then I get rap ability from just knowing him. That's a good dream. What's your dream upon moving to the city? Um, I guess my dream is just to get the job done. You know, just to um, know my sister like I know my own mind. <laughs> and, and basically try to imagine... Mm-hmm. And um, not throwing and, and tell 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 a story. Mm-hmm. Not throwing my shot. Yeah, no don't throw away your shot. And um, and that's about it. That's it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, in the next segment, we're gonna talk about what we're gonna experience Friday night, which is seeing TJ and Dave live in person and not on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> See you in the next segment. Bye.
welcome back to the podcast of all podcasts. <laughs> no, uh, there was like a two-second break, and I don't know why I said welcome back. But anyway, uh, we are here to talk about last night's endeavor, which we went to a stand-up show in Queens, and I did a set. An open f- mic. An open mic, uh, yeah, yeah. it was cool. And we, uh, our buddy Charlie also did a set. Charlie from old Greenville days. I started out with him. I started like a week or two before him, maybe um, of, oh, as wow. much as Oh, wow, I didn't but, know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did it. And then the next week, I think he did it, he and Michael Robinette. But I wasn't there that week. And then the following week, I was there. Cool. And that was the first time we saw each other. Awesome. At a place that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> But what does exist is QED in Queens, which is where we did our open mic performance. I like it that they describe themselves QED, the venue. They describe themselves as an after-school venue for adults. Did you see that? <laughs> I didn't see that, like, but I do like that. They have a lot of different interesting activities, including stand-up. They have dance classes. It's just a really cool place. Check it out. You know, Kate McKinnon is headlined there. Leslie Jones is headlined there. Josh Gondelman, okay. former guest on the podcast has oh, performed there. Wow, I saw cool. him okay. uh, on the screen when they were going through mm-hmm. people who had performed there. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh is the nicest guy. Oh, is this the pause where I'm supposed to be like, no, Jason, you're the nicest guy. No, I was just <laughs> waiting for you to put down your drink. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew it was going to make noise. Oh my god. <laughs> But yeah, Josh uh, uh, has performed there. But yeah, so it was a fun performance. I really enjoyed. I didn't. I'd always been scared about the idea of performing in a city like New York, but you crushed it. I was so. I'm, oh, thank you. It was just such a good job. You and Charlie both. <clears throat> I thought first of all, I thought everyone did a great job. Mm-hmm. It was a really tight open mic. Very well run. Yeah, and like just the way he hosted it, he was like, "Let's get down to business," and everyone got their time, and every, nobody got any more than their time, so it was great, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. and everyone respected that they only had three minutes. It was only three minutes each, and it was great. And Jason, you were really, really great. I thought Thank you were. You. you seemed really confident. You said later that you didn't feel confident. You looked so confident, like. Well, I had. <laughs> I had uh, gotten there late. Um, yeah. I was going seventh, and I got there during the sixth comic. And uh, I was late because it was my second time running, riding the subway, and I missed my uh, switch over because I'm a dummy. And <laughs> I just didn't realize I needed to... It doesn't matter why I missed. I missed because uh, I had to switch because that's how difficult it is to get to Queens from Brooklyn. And uh, it... Uh, it just threw me off, and I got there like I don't know, eleven minutes late or something like that. Longer than that. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. I did have a backup plan though. If you had gone, if you hadn't gotten there, and they called Jason Farr, I would have gone up. Right. I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I say I have a backup plan. The backup plan is like just getting on stage, and that's that's as far as I would have gotten. Well, I, I do appreciate uh, what you're that saying. That I would have done that. How yeah, I did, you're and welcome. that you would have done that for me. Um, you would gone up and said, "I'm Jason Farr." <laughs> And, uh, you know, growing up a black guy in the South, (laughs) um, a star would have been born. Yep. What was really cool to see was just how, like, down to business everybody was. Like, it was, like I said, a really tightly run show in that the guy just ran a smooth show. But also, all the comics were down to business. They weren't going to screw around. I ran a show in Greenville, and there were so many times where somebody would email us 
and say, we only get five minutes? That's not enough time to get into anything. Oh, my gosh. And without fail, those were always the worst comics yeah. or people who would who would not show up. There was never anyone who said that before going on who was good or bothered to show. Yeah. Also, Charlie Gray, you know, he describes his comedy as like taking a, a, a couple minutes to get into a, a mm-hmm. joke or whatever. And he knew he had three minutes last night and he killed. You yeah, know what he I mean? did. So... You have to have pace. That's really what it is because I planned, I think, six jokes knowing that two of them were real quick jokes. And I didn't do one of them because I got the light and I actually could have done it, but I just didn't bother. Mm -hmm. But at my old show, I would have done all those jokes and it would have taken six minutes because I would have goofed around more. And just let stuff happen and, and comment on everything. I just would have wasted a bunch of time. But last night, I knew I didn't have that. And I did the same amount of jokes, but in two minutes less, and just got to the point. And I think it helps to do that. And Absolutely. I think everyone was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's just because of the culture up here. You know you get three minutes. You know you get blackballed if you go over your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this show, I don't know if they would have blackballed anybody for going over their time, but a big yeah. club definitely would have, because I've heard of that. What is blackballing? Uh, just cutting them out. They're like, you're, it's like blacklisting them. Oh, and then they're not welcome to open mic again or whatever? Yeah, or okay. for a certain amount of time. I I've gotcha. heard those stories, so they have to be true. Yeah, yeah you're probably uh, and, right. And uh, it's, you know, it's good to just be on time with stuff, especially the people here. They want to get on television in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. But I'm sure there's still people here who are doing it for fun and aren't trying to get anywhere. But most of the people want to have a tight set, and they all do. And it was yeah. really cool to see. It was cool. Um, P.S. Astoria, Queens is lovely. It is really I've cool. I've had yeah. so many people tell me that, and it really was. It was Yeah, very it was nice. a cool place. It was really cool. Hadn't... We didn't have much time to check out. The no, place, but it was cool. But it was it was nice, and it was also cool to reconnect with other comedy friends. So we met our friend Lauren Kras there, who I know from college, but she's, she's a stand up now. While, yeah, yeah, she's been here three years, and um, we're walking down the street, and we see our friend Talia, who I haven't seen in five years, <laughs> who's now up here making a, a comedy name for herself. Which when I saw her, you know, she's doing comedy, but like now we're all in New York. It's just craziness, cool, you know. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, this has been really great being up here. I thought that I would, I thought that the first three days were going to be me, uh, in the bed curled in a a ball crying or something like that, but (laughs) it wasn't the case at all. It's been not uh, at all. (laughs) Not at all. Um, I had one sad moment, uh, briefly one, one night, like the first night I was here, the second night we were here. And, but other than that, I've been, uh in very good spirits and it's been really cool yeah it has been cool we've had a great time so far we've been really lucky yeah and uh i don't want to get too sad but you could see that i mentioned this in previous segment that you could see the freedom tower yeah and i was thinking today that whoever was living here in 2001 saw that saw it if they were not at work or something like that i mean who knows but like this is you see it like yeah. there's no and it's close it's not like far far away it, it's right right there it's very visible uh, that's crazy that this it the is. history of this particular room is it's got some uh some stuff that happened yeah here. 
There's blood all over the wall, too. So there's some serious stuff that happened in here. Well, in the next segment, we're going to talk about our adventures uh, from for tomorrow night and the weekend. Tomorrow night, we're going to go see TJ and Dave. Yay! That's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Yeah, we're going to have some fun on Saturday, and then we have our first improv class on Sunday. So stick around yeah. for that. Starting from scratch, erasing all I know about improv from my mind before I go into that class. Learning a new skill. Yep. I don't even know what I've ever done before. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I'm erasing my whole childhood, so I don't even remember what it's like to play pretend. <laughs> I'm starting from the beginning. See you in a minute. Bye. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we are back, and last night we went to see TJ and Dave at the yes. town hall with special guest musician Ike Riley. Yes. Who may be the guy who sings the um, yeah, Tommy Drives a Nova out. song? I don't know, but he a lot of his songs are played before DJ and Dave shows. So if you've been to a lot of shows, maybe you have heard him before. Nevertheless, really great show. Uh, they are truly masters of improv. They, I remember hearing that quote, and I've heard Sharna say it, but I think it was, I think she was quoting somebody else who was saying that um, the masters uh, waste nothing. They use everything that happens. And they used everything. They would come back to little details, like some minor thing that was just offhand mentioned earlier in the show, like 30 minutes prior, and come back to and have a discussion about it, like people do in real life. Yeah. But I guess that's why they call their book Improv at the Speed of Life, because it just feels like, people living life up there but it's so engaging and so interesting it really is very theatrical and i think a lot of that has to do with how great of a stage performer dave is uh dave pesquese has done a lot of theater work in in chicago and so he has a pace like it's a play and he's he was phenomenal and tj was phenomenal it was really just tj blew my mind like how fast he was yeah with with ideas yeah i I would love to be able to play at that level and i also like how deep they fall into character yes immediately yeah especially tj dave's amazing but tj like his whole body changes you know everything about him changes it's like a different human is standing up there yeah and it's such i think part of that might be because he'll take such a stark contrast to the character he just was. Mm-hmm. And he's they're both phenomenal. And it was really amazing. And it would be great. I was having a discussion with our friend Charlie, who went with us last night, we mentioned previously, about how great they were and how I don't like when people say, uh, when they are comparing like UCB, like ASCAT, versus tj and dave they'll they'll say fast versus slow because it's not that it's slow it's it's maybe like a crock pot slow cooker sort of thing but it's fully engaged their play their the way they play it's not slow because they're so quickly doing amazing things right there's just something different about maybe how hard they are playing the game or or something that that makes it feel slower to some people but it's not slower play like you have to be so on your game to do what they're doing yeah it was such a big audience it was at the town hall on 48th street Mm -hmm. uh and that's just a huge venue i've never been to an improv show 
that had that many seats in it. Like like TJ and Dave were mic'd, you know, mm-hmm. which I know is pretty common for stand-up to have just a huge audience once you get big. But when you're big in improv, you know, you're still playing in basements. But not TJ and Dave. They had this awesome venue, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was really cool. They, um, they're phenomenal. And uh, I overheard someone behind us saying that TJ was uh, one of the only two people being paid to do improv. I'm pretty sure Dave got paid last yeah. night, too. <laughs> he was referring to the Sonic commercials and Peter Gross, if that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, Groz, Gross, I don't know. Uh, G-R-O-S-Z is how it's spelled. And TJ and Peter Gross do those commercials, those Sonic commercials, and they improvise in them. And so the guy was sort of wrongly recognizing <laughs> uh, that element. Uh, speaking of people sitting around us, uh, we had a celebrity sitting in front of us. Yeah, that was crazy. Amy Sedaris was sitting in front of us. And when she got there, she had this hat on because she had just gotten there. still had her coat on. And I thought she looked, I thought she was a lady that looked like Amy Sedaris. Mm-hmm. So I made a joke, not really a joke, but just a comment saying, oh, a, a lady looks like Amy Sedaris or Amy Sedaris looking lady there. I said something like that to you and Charlie. And I shot it down real hard. Yeah, and Charlie (laughs) looked at her and said, yeah, yeah, she looks like her. And then you said, I don't think she looks like her. (laughs) Then you rolled your eyes and you flipped me the bird. Yeah. (laughs) You tried to storm out, but there were too many people. Too many people. So you had to sit back down. Mm -hmm. Um, But then uh, a few minutes later, Charlie leans in and says, did did you say that lady, didn't you make a comment saying that lady looks like Amy Sedaris? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I think it is her. Yeah. And then I looked over and she had had her hat off and I went, holy crap, that is her. Yeah. And it totally was her. And I spoke to her. I think I was very uh, uh, respectful What did you say? I didn't hear anything it. that you said. I, I mean, said, you tapped her on the head. That I, was yeah, a weird I went, way to tap, stop. Tap, tap with my with my index <laughs> finger and said, "Um, excuse me." <laughs> um, and then I oh, so this is the, the real thing that happened. I just leaned in and said, "Excuse me," and she turned around and I said, "Oh, hi, I love your work." And and we shook hands and she said, "Thank you." And I said, "You sent me a postcard." Uh, that you autographed that's on our refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, you must have sent me a letter. And I said, yes, uh, I sent you something saying it's not fair of me to ask something of you and not give you something. So I I sent you my headshot and autographed it. And she laughed and said, (laughs) which is a true story. And she laughed and said, oh, that's funny. And then she like just jotted down her phone number and handed it to me. So. That part's not true. <laughs> but uh, then I said, it's lovely meeting you. And then I, I went back to doing what I was doing. I just got in and I got out. Really unobtrusive, that I thought. That was good. That was good of you. And also, who showed up? Her, her BFF from Second City showed up. You you knew who he was? Well, Paul Danello. Yeah. Who did stuff on Strangers with Candy. And you've seen him on the openings for Late Show with mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert. Uh, he's uh, He shows up a lot in that. Um, he wears glasses now. You might recognize him if you saw him because he was on Strangers with Candy. He was in the movie and the TV show. And he worked a lot with those two. Like they, I think they all, the three of them started out together or something. So they've been working together for probably the better part of 30 years. And um, 
those cold opens that they do on Late Show, he shows up in a lot. And uh, he's a funny guy. He just happened to be there, and he walked over and talked to her for a little bit. So, um, Because he was so far away, I did not want to be like, hey, you too, hello. Yeah. You know? um, and, I, and since I had already spoken to her, I didn't want to uh, insert myself into another situation with her. So... Uh, it was nice. It was it was nice to meet her. It was it was pretty wild because one of the things I definitely wanted to bring with us when we moved up here was that postcard. So to then meet her, uh, was pretty pretty wild. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, and it was totally out of nowhere. Also, there was famous lookalike artist. Um, he looks exactly like a short Howard Stern. Oh yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> There's a guy there who looked like a, a he was shorter. Like two feet shorter, but he was he looked exactly. <laughs> he like had him. Howard Stern's hair. <laughs> it was just gray and face. And it, he kind of had his face. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, I I feel like that guy was like, oh, if Howard Stern can look this way, I can. <laughs> so he did his hair like his. Um, <laughs> he had some colorful shoes on. Anyway, that guy wasn't famous, but he was at the show. I'm sure there was somebody else there. I wonder how many how many improvisers were in that audience. I know. I was thinking about that, too. And how many of them were just, like, regular people. It was like, oh, it's a comedy show. I wonder what, what it's like, you know. I'm always amazed when there's... Because I, I sort of feel like... Like, TJ and Dave... Charlie was mentioning this when we were on the train leaving the show. He said when he mentions TJ and Dave to just, like, regular old people... And then they're like, huh, who? He's like, oh, they're two of the best improvisers in the world, if not the two best. Yeah. And people will just be like, oh, okay. But if you say to an improviser, I'm going to see TJ and Dave, their mind is blown. Right. Um, so to me, as great as they are, you know, to me, I, I just have the impression that there's sort of like this quiet thing you can like. And it's not like this massive big thing that everybody knows about and so i feel like when there's something like that when people are going to shows like that i am always surprised when people who don't seem to know the act are there it was the same when i saw mute math mute math isn't like the biggest band in the world they're very successful but when i went to see them there is there were a couple of guys there who just bought a ticket just because it was a music show yeah (laughs) uh it was a great show, and apparently it's the last time for a while that they're going to be here, because I saw them tweet something about that. Mm. So, um, we had a real treat last night. Yeah. We also had our first experience of New York pizza. Yes, it was so good. Very delicious pizza. And we're going to have our second experience with leftovers lunch <laughs> yeah well next up we're gonna talk about our first experience taking a class at the magnet theater we'll talk to you in a second bye bye we're back for another segment the final segment of this episode but not ever <laughs> good <laughs> uh yesterday we went to the met yep the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was cold. It was crowded. It was beautiful. It wasn't cold in the building so no. much. Just getting there. Yes. Um. Yeah, it, it was beautiful. It was overwhelming because it was so big and there was so much to see and we didn't see all of it at all. We spent probably three hours in there um, and there was just so much more to see so we'll have to go back. But it yeah. was awesome. Nothing about comedy in there nothing about comedy but no comedy exhibitions it was just about i mean this podcast being about creation and seeing any kind of art i think is good uh if you're trying to create things and 
what I was really amazed by was that there are all these different art pieces of art that are from all these different countries and uh, a lot of them might have been made when they weren't able to see the artwork of other countries and other places just because of how long ago it was and yet it was still just I, I feel like making art is just innate in people because there are things from like you know, however many thousands of years BC that we saw, and people just want to make make stuff. It's just a natural thing, and they find the things that are around them to create it. Whether it's marble, like all the Roman stuff that we saw, or, or whatever, what have you. Yep, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, we today went to our first magnet class or level one class and it was great yeah it was awesome everyone was so nice rick andrews is teaching he's great Mm -hmm. really really great teacher harrison brookie who's been on a previous episode was saying he's the best did he say he's the best level one or there's the best improv instructor Um, in the world (laughs) like in the country maybe like definitely one of the best in the country but i think harrison said the best oh maybe Uh, but i can't remember if he said the best improv instructor or the best level one it really could have been either but i think he said best improv instructor and that was a high compliment obviously and and i understand why he got it because he was so natural just that bringing us along into what improv is and teaching people how to do it and how to connect with other people. I thought it was great. Um, I liked it because it was like the first day of level one and usually the first day of any class, any class, comedy, co- college, you know, whatever. It's like the first 20 minutes are announcements. But what mm-hmm. he did was he got right into improv. And then after our first break, then he made announcements like, so you can get into these shows. We can do this and that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. That I, I really like that. Format. No, I do, too. Having <laughs> just recently taught a 101 some of which has some of the things he was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying it was all of it or that I was as good at it, but I'm, I'm certainly... The, the whole point of my point right now How is that I you? was not as good. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, that's the thing. I was watching him and I was saying, oh, that's the way you do that. <laughs> that's the right way you do that. It was really great. It was a really fun class. And I feel like... Uh, there were a couple things that were good thought, new thoughts about improv and then things that helped reinforce uh, things that I already had uh, learned at Alchemy. But I love reinforcement, so I'm certainly not knocking it. And it's also the first class. So it's the first class of a level one. If you've taken improv elsewhere, there's going to be some overlap. And it's a good thing, I say. Their training center is awesome. It's yeah. the 10th floor of this building in Koreatown, and it is amazing. And the 7th floor is, uh, there's a karaoke. <laughs> it's like a karaoke thing on the 7th floor. Oh, that's floor. awesome. Yeah, it was like, uh, was it karaoke live? I can't remember what it was called. Uh, but that was really cool. And then we walked around, and uh, we saw a building that we saw in Usual Suspects last night because uh, we were <laughs> watching that movie last night. <laughs> it's just cool to like see a building last night and then go and uh, see it in person just by accident, <laughs> especially. That was, that was pretty cool. One thing, I don't know if we should even get into this, but there's a, a person who was impaired in our class. Yes, yeah, she's blind. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and she was confident and i was like go you confident but careful you know Mm -hmm. and um people were were there to help her if she needed help you know um everyone was very sensitive to it Mm -hmm. but not weird about it yeah and so it was just great um i'm pretty awe-inspired by people who are stepping outside of a comfort zone for them because i mean everyone who's taking improv 101 or level one is stepping out of their comfort zone to a certain degree but you know also if you have vision vision impairment you are stepping out maybe a little bit more so than the average person is just because you can't see what other people are doing Mm -hmm. and that to me is really inspiring and awesome and I, i just think there's nothing that should hold you back from trying things yeah yeah there's very little that should hold you back Uh, Well, that's been the New York episode, folks. Thanks for listening. Older episodes include a lot of discussion with instructors of improv and also stand-ups and various kinds of people. So this was your first time listening. Go back and check those out on iTunes or SoundCloud. And you can also look up info about each episode and just other tidbits of information on thereitispod.com. So definitely check that out. Also, if you're on iTunes, it'd be really great if you could leave a review. That actually helps out a ton if people review. So I would appreciate that. You can follow me on Facebook and on Twitter at thereitispod and myself on Twitter at Jason Far Jokes. I would appreciate the follow. Well, that's it for this episode. Next week is a fun one. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.